midfielder. Can he tee up someone in red? And it goes towards Lundgren! Hello and welcome to the Stoppage Time Soccer Show. It's a brand new podcast of the English game from American Perspective. My name is Jordan Wiegand and I have our co-hosts Logan Stump. Howdy. And Matt Hartgrove. Hey there. And uh, this is just a little intro episode to get us going before we make sure that we launch before the start of the Premier League season on September 12th. Typically what this show will be is breaking down games, breaking down the weeks, you know, how teams are positioned, who played well, scores, fantasy elements of the game. We're going to try to have a fantasy league for the podcast. We're going to cover Champions League, maybe even some World Cup qualifying and U.S. men's national team news. So we are going to introduce ourselves here. So one, we're going to talk about how we got into the sport and then what Premier League team each of us follows. Don't worry, while these are three big clubs, we will still be talking all the clubs of the Premier League this season. So uh, even if you're a fan of, you know, little leads, <laughs> even though they're not so little, they're, they're a big club. But uh, if you're a big fan of leads, guess what? We'll still have leads coverage here. We'll start with Logan. How did you get into the sport? And then how did you choose your team and what is your team? I got started... Back in 20, what was it, 2016. 14. Um, 14? <laughs> was it 2014? World yeah, Cup. Yeah, right after your program. Yeah, sorry. Um, I keep thinking for some reason it's 2016. But anyway, 20, 2014 I got started. I started watching the World Cup in 2010. But I wasn't really – I was a big fan of, like, Dempsey and them, but I wasn't really keen to soccer at that time. But it was just fun to watch because uh, we played baseball. I played uh, travel baseball back then. I can remember after games, like in baseball, always like baseball players, we always seem to have some kind of rivalry because in South Carolina, baseball and soccer were played at the same time. So we had kind of like a, a standing rivalry with anybody that played soccer. And I, I don't know why. But before you start the, that, before you keep going, yeah, that's that's me with lacrosse here, because yeah. <laughs> when I played baseball, lacrosse was popular, lacrosse, very popular in Maryland, which is where mm-hmm. I am. And. A lot of those players would make fun of me for playing baseball, you know, call me names and all that kind of stuff. So I, I still do not like lacrosse. <laughs> but yeah, go on. But yeah, no, we were after baseball games, we would go down into the lobby and I'm pretty sure that the hotel management hated us. But all, you know, all 14 of us would sit down in the lobby and watch World Cup soccer. So that's when I first started, like, understanding what it was. I didn't start liking it and really following it um, until 2014 and I remember I was working a summer job at an ice cream place and I can actually remember pulling out our phones <laughs> and watching the game 
and what's funny about Charleston is Charleston's actually got it's heavily like people that come down from the Northeast or there, there's a lot of traveling and international people in Charleston. And I can remember in 2014 there were sports bars like to the left and right of us, like a couple blocks down. And people were like running up and down the streets and stuff and yelling with the American flag and like when they would score and they would they, they would come into the ice cream shop and, and start yelling and screaming because they were they were plastered drunk, but they would start celebrating and stuff with us. And we were going crazy. I'm sure that people that own the ice cream store would probably not like to hear that. But <laughs> there was nobody in it because, I mean, everybody was watching the games at bars and pubs and stuff. So, right. I remember getting into that. And then I remember telling you guys that I was into it. And I remember asking you guys where Aguero played and he ended up at Man City. So that, that's where that's where the love started. I, I loved watching uh, Aguero and, and I started playing with Man City on, on FIFA because we, we got we started getting FIFA uh, right when I left my program with you guys because I saw you guys play it. Um, so I wanted to play it. And my brother and I would stay up late nights playing world, the World Cup version of FIFA, too. And that's where I got started. I asked you guys, you know, who can I follow? And, and you guys told me that they I do remember that after I told you Aguero and I started aligning myself, you guys said they were like the Yankees of soccer, um, <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, like that's. But everybody gave me a hard time, like all my friends around my hometown gave me a hard time that were big time soccer fans. They're like. You go with the with Man City. You like the Dolphins, the Pacers, and the Cubs, and you went with Man City. I was like, yeah, but think about that. Like, I'm with some really <laughs> horrible teams that don't spend any money. Um, the Cubs started too around that time, but like they, forever, the Cubs were hesitant to spend money, and everybody else, the Dolphins, they spend money, but they buy players that don't want to play. So that's, I mean, that's where I got started with Man City, and I started following Man City ever since, and that's my big memory. All right, Matt, how'd you get into it? And your favorite uh, favorite team? So I believe it was 2012 when I was on. I believe that was a Euros, right? In 2012. Yes. Yep. So on a trip to Disney, it was a little bit beforehand. I started talking about soccer with some people back home. Not really big fans, but we kind of talked a little bit. We might have played a little FIFA, but then the the Euros started, and I remember getting into the Euros and watching the fans. And how they reacted to their country, whether they sometimes it was not even a law a win. It was they would lose but still play really well. And I was like, okay, like these fans are this isn't like watching baseball or football. Like this like these guys, they still they support and they show their love of their team in every situation. And I remember being at a Buffalo Wild Wings over close to, to Disney World and I remember watching one of the games and I just kept track of it. So we went to Epcot early on in that trip, and I had decided to get myself into it. But it was a little difficult because it's the first sport that, like, my family didn't really like. So most yeah. of my teams came from what my dad liked, which was, you know, the Phillies and baseball, the Dolphins and football. Kind of like the Wizards. It was hit or miss if I was watching basketball. And so I, this is kind of like I have to figure out what I want. Like, who, who do I want to like? And I was in the UK Pavilion store that's right on the right-hand side across from the pub. And they used to have more than, I think right now they generally just only had like City and like Arsenal. Um, but they had like four or five different teams. And the team that had like the smallest little area was Liverpool. But I really liked the red, like the full red kit. I still have it back home, actually, the one that I got. Um, has like these weird longish short sleeves. Mm -hmm. So 
um, it's hard to describe, but like I, I decided to get that one. And then I honestly just spent a lot of that trip reading about them. And that's pretty much how I got into it. Is that the last Adidas kit? It might have been. Because I, I have the last Adidas kit. And that's, for me, that's my <laughs> the best looking Liverpool kit. <laughs> I, <think. laughs> I just have uh, nostalgia for it, even though I'm not a Liverpool fan. I played FIFA with like uh, my brother-in-law one time. And, you know, we did a whole career mode where he was playing as my nephew on <laughs> Liverpool. And I would just play as whatever second player... Or the rest of the team. You know, I'd pretty much play as, like, the rest of the team. And we signed, like, Balotelli and all that. <laughs> we just went crazy and played, like, multiple seasons of it that I had to buy a kit of that of that Liverpool kit. Yeah, it does look like it was the last Adidas kit. And I don't mind it. Uh, the sleeves are weird. I guess maybe it wasn't as weird back in 2012. But, like, thinking of it now, I don't think you'd see a T-shirt or any type of jersey. But, yeah, I just kind of read a lot about them seem like they were they seemed like a team that would fall in line with the teams i liked where they had years of amazing historical yeah like historical background but then now in current day they aren't that good granted the phillies were good for five years when i was alive so that was kind of nice but i just kind of got into it read all about them read their history the good and bad stuff so i I was able to understand like what what happened and not just like go okay like i understand the the hillsborough thing but like so i got to i looked a lot into that too just to see what it meant to people um but yeah it was i still remember the first game i believe that they might have lost three nil um to like west brom or something and it was like it seemed like it was going to be tough but now it's gotten a lot better but yeah that's (laughs) pretty much how i got into it and slowly over the years they've become my favorite team out of any of my sports teams. All right. My favorite, well, when I got into the sport was the 2006 World Cup, which is 14 years ago already. <laughs> uh, it's scary. My first jersey was a Michael Ballack, uh, Germany jersey for the 2006 World Cup. So, you know, I followed that. I followed uh, Germany and USA during that World Cup. And bought FIFA. You know, my dad brought home FIFA uh, World Cup 2006. And I remember seeing it on the kitchen table and uh, for PlayStation 2. And I was like, all right, I guess we're going to play this. Right. And uh, that's how I really started learning the rules more than watching the games was just playing. Oh, it goes out. It's for a throw. If it goes out here, it's a corner. If it goes out there, it's a goal kick. You know, that that kind of stuff where really how I started picking up and learning the game and the players a bit on FIFA. And then, because back then in 2006, I didn't have like digital cable. We had like just regular cable, I guess. You know, like digital cable now. I don't even know if that's still a thing, but it's like where you have like 300, 400 channels instead of like 60, like on my basic cable. Mm -hmm. And on there, like you would only be able to watch the games if they were on ESPN. I didn't have any other sport channels really. It was like ESPN. That's where the World Cup was. And then once we started getting into club soccer and we bought the regular FIFA 2006 with the club teams, then, you know, I started playing that and I uh, was actually taking German at the same time. And we watched this video on American players abroad and it had Demarcus Beasley and Steve Cherundolo, uh from USA. They played for Hanover Sex on Neunzig, um, Hanover 96. That became my club that I would play on FIFA 06 all the time, and I'd get fired, you know, five games in the season. And then, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was pissed. 
And then, you know, from there, I, I started, like, I was like, oh, I really liked Michael Ballack. Uh, if I'm going to follow a, uh, a English team, what team did he go to? And he had went to Chelsea. So it just so happened that Chelsea became really good, you know, and won their first title in 2006, uh, first Premier League title in 2005, I mean, and then won another one in 2006. And it looks like I was a bandwagoner, but I couldn't have told you that information at all back then. <laughs> So then, you know, fast forward a little bit, we get digital cable and that came with Fox Soccer Channel. And that's where the Premier League was. That's where Syria was at the time. And that's where, geez, most of the Champions League, most of the soccer was on Fox Soccer Channel. And once we had that, I was able to watch the Premier League, Champions League all the time. And uh, I couldn't watch Bundesliga. That was on Gold TV. That, that became... You know, how I started watching it and, you know, we went over to England and I got to experience the culture there a bit. Didn't get to go to any games. But when we came back from our first trip in England in 2009, Chelsea was playing AC Milan in Baltimore. So I went to M&T Bank Stadium and saw that friendly. I got a picture in front of the FA Cup. And then I just from there, it really grew. That was around the time that I really started getting the digital cable and being able to watch games all the time. And. You know, it. Be- yeah, I always say in 2006, it became my third favorite sport. In 2010, it became my first, you know, my favorite sport. Uh, the World Cup 2010 came and I was watching that all the time. I can't believe it's been 10 years already. I, I was watching every single game of that that I could if I was not at work. And back then I had a part-time job, so it was very easy to watch most of the games. And yeah, so that's kind of how I got into it. And then as we keep going, 2010 was also... You know, I started following Philadelphia Union, which is my uh, MLS team and my favorite soccer team. And it was that was their inception, 2010. So I've been with them since the beginning. So that's been nice. But let me tell you, I'd love a Baltimore team if they ever get that in any of these leagues. But yeah, that's how I started following soccer and why I chose Chelsea was because of Michael Ballack. And then once he left, I, you know, stayed true to the blue. Moving on, we're going to give our top three favorite players. Uh, I guess they don't have to be Premier League. Just if you have three favorite players ever that have played the game. We'll start with you, Logan. All right. Um, so I'll go. I guess I'll go from third to first. Third for me. Um, and I don't know why I liked him so much. Because he wasn't there long when I was when I was first starting to watch. Um, uh, but Negredo was my third favorite player ever. And I don't know why. I think because... He was just so big for a striker, and he was, uh, you know, I, I think watching the World Cup and stuff, he was, I think he was, he was Spain. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, watching him play really got me into it, because at the time when I first started watching too, Aguero was hurt, um, so mm-hmm. he had a lot of Jekko and um, Negredo playing. Uh, oh, Jekko is so underrated. He is. He is and, so underrated. He tears it up in every league he goes into. Yeah, yeah go ahead. <laughs> I think he. I think he just beat um, Roma's. I think he did something with them and yeah, goal yeah. or something. But Jekko was always good, and they had Jovetic too. But Negredo, for some reason, I just loved the way that he um, played. He was so physical because he was so big. He and Jekko, when they would put him in together, because you went from Jovic. Like sometimes I like on FIFA, I played Jovetic and Aguero. Oh, and then I totally I forgot Jovetic was there. <laughs> yeah, and then Negredo and um, uh, when I put Jekko in together, it was like the Tower of Terror. Um, they were huge, so I mean, they just uh, bullied everybody in the box. Um, but Negredo was my third favorite. My second favorite. Um, this was tough because it was like I was going. I'm going back and forth between the two. 
but I, I decided that uh, Kevin De Bruyne would, would be second, um, just because he's the most amazing player in the whole league. So, and Debatable. watching him, <laughs> watching, yeah. Thanks for Chelsea giving him up um, so that he can make his way back to the right club in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so De Bruyne is fun to watch, and all of his assists this year, um, it was just simply amazing to watch. Um, and I can tell you that if we do fantasy football, that's who I'm going to go after first. Um, <laughs> well, I was thinking, I, I'm hoping I get the first pick to take him. You <laughs> tore up the league in fantasy because I was watching a bunch of the fantasy stuff, and uh, his 20 assists, plus he scored. Um, fair amount this year, which last year he didn't because he's hurt. I think he had three goals last year, but this year I think he had 13. Um, but just watching him play and the poise that he has, he's like a bigger uh, Silva. So I, I just love watching him play. And then number one, obviously, is Aguero. Um, and that's just for, you know, all the years that I've watched, he's been there. Um, and he's been hurt off and on. And uh, he, he plays randomly um, now, more sporadic now that Sterling and them are good. But I think watching him play really got me into it because he's so he's just so fast and little, and I liked him. And then I started following him on Instagram and seeing him play with his the, his son, like his son's like running around the living room and kicking um, you know balls into his trophies and his um, his boots and stuff. It's just it's a lot of fun to watch, um, and he's just so quick. And the fact that he's so little, he's got to be pretty uh, strategic as the way he gets to to the goal. But he's so quick and. Uh, it, it's sad because I think his time is starting to slowly go because I think that he said he'd like to go back to Spain. So it'll be it'll be weird to watch without him and Silva because they're they're both the uh, guys that I watched forever. It was always so weird as soon as Pep got there that the rumors started swirling that he didn't like Aguero and that he would keep that he would get rid of him. But yeah, and Pep's always Pep's always leaned heavily towards the younger guys too, like mm-hmm. more so. And, and I think because Aguero's hurt constantly uh and his is more like nagging that's the thing that sucks it's never like a long you know it's always like soft tissue or or something weird uh groin i know he had a groin problem for a while um and he's just i think he's fallen out of favor with pep and sterling's so good and you have jesus and they're just both so good and they play up front so it's it's easier to not have him there anymore back then when you know pellegrini was there you couldn't afford to not have him on on the side because that's when, you know, Jekko left, uh, Negredo left, Yobi left. You just didn't have a whole lot of uh, guys up front. So when he did get hurt, I remember one game, actually, they hit Milner up front because he was uh-huh. hurt and he couldn't. And Milner never really played that well for City. Um, he's been much better with Liverpool. Um, but he, I remember him playing up front one game. and I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be a disaster. Because back then they they weren't as stacked like what Matt always jokes about. He goes, it must be nice to have two teams where you can put one in after the other, <laughs> especially with five subs. You just replace the whole team with better players. But again, like back then, you Jovetic struggled a lot when he was there. He never really uh, came to form. Ihanacho never came to form um, that they wanted. And plus, they don't have any patience. And that's what you guys warned me. I remember because you're like, don't get too attached because City's just going to blast through the team. And I think. Pretty much everybody's gone. There's only one left, and it's Aguero. Because I look back at their uh, Premier League win, and the only person in the photo left was Aguero. Like, Nasri and Silva, and them are all gone. Um, but, yeah. That's where gone. our two teams are similar. <laughs> yeah, right. I was just saying. Uh, man, how many players, like what you just mentioned, uh, De Bruyne uh, was a Chelsea player that we gave up on immediately and sent him off to Wolfsburg, and then he went to City. 
we gave up on Lukaku. We gave up on so many young players. Salah. <laughs> yeah, Mo Salah. Gave up on him. Went to Roma, then went to Liverpool and tore it up. I mean, it, it, it just is mind-boggling the way that some of those teams are run over there. Yeah. I, I, like, I am. I'm, I'm going to be really sad the day where it leaves, and I think it's sooner rather than later. I think next year it'll be his. Once he runs out of his contract, I think he goes back to, to Spain to finish. All right, Matt, your favorite three players. Oof. Shockingly, they're all going to be on the current Liverpool team. <laughs> but um, one of them was was before Liverpool, so luckily it doesn't make it sound too bad. But my number three would probably have. At, this is constantly changing, but I would say my number three would probably have to be Trent Alexander Arnold. It's it's only been happening over the last few years, but it's it's fun to watch. Liverpool. A lot of Liverpool's players are in their late twenties. But he's like the one that's right there in his early tw- he's twenty one years old, and watching him play, it can be frustrating at times because he definitely still is learning right back because he was actually a midfielder as a mm-hmm. youth player. Um, but it's just been a crazy to watch him play, and the fact that he's from Liverpool, and that's that's like such a big deal to people who live in Liverpool because you had you know Gerard, now you have Trent, and they even have another youngster and. Curtis Jones, who's also from Liverpool, uh, but it's it's fun to see how much they celebrate him. And he's he's honestly he's not like very he doesn't brag about what he does. He just kind of plays the game, and his goals have usually all of his goals are just insanely are they're sensational. They're either free kicks against Chelsea because he did that twice this year, uh, and then he also had one against Leicester this year that was like him running at full force and he gets the pass and he just hits it once and it just goes right past and then he, he did the Mbappe celebration which was really cool like everyone was um, joking around about that one but it, it's it's crazy to watch him because some of his passes even just recently the one against Chelsea where he assisted Firmino was it's insane to think he has that much accuracy and he could with what he's already done become possibly one of the best players in Liverpool history and I don't know like how I know that in the 70s and 80s, they had some really big names, but those teams won a lot. And so like to be able to speak about him in the same term as the players in the 70s and 80s just shows how good he is now and what he can be. And the entire team right now is just so much fun because they they seem a little different than like City and Chelsea, where the the Liverpool players don't seem to think like they're going to get sold if they play like a couple of bad games. And get replaced with someone who's like crazy better. Uh, number two would have to be Van Dyke. He he honestly changed Liverpool. I actually remember it was the summer transfer window before they got him, and when Southampton said like, "No, we're not selling you him," I was legitimately sad. Mm-hmm. Like I knew how bad they needed him because the one thing I'd watched as a Liverpool fan since I started was that their center backs were terrible. Like. It, yep. it frustrated me like and you know when I first started it was Agar and Skirtle and they they had like some good history with the team but Agar was on the bottom half of his uh decline and and Skirtle just to me I was like yeah he has some good moments but I was like it doesn't seem to be that great <laughs> he makes more mistakes than he makes spectacular plays or plays good defense so getting him has changed Liverpool and the thing is is that he 
and I, I obviously because this is more so me being a fan, more a newer fan, but he wants to be at Liverpool, and like li- there's Liverpool fans who are like, this is not what we're used to. This isn't what used to happen. We did not always have a player of his caliber who's world class who's like, I want to be here because like it's, Suarez. Yeah, like that's that's what's been happening. Who immediately left? (laughs) Yeah, you had Alonso, who still to this day is loved by Liverpool fans, but you know he does go to Real Madrid, and Van Dijk is, and he's third in line for captaincy because Henderson and Milner are above him. But even so, when you watch him with the players, he's clearly he's he's one of the best players, but he doesn't act like he doesn't act as though he's outside of the game he doesn't mm-hmm. act as though he's like so high and mighty like he he acts just like he's one of the guys and when you watch him play sometimes there's a joke on liverpool twitter that's like when he has to do something he gets mad because he's like I, he because he does it he makes it look incredibly easy but when he does it he'll have like a scowl on his face like mm-hmm. he's kind of angry he had to go defend that guy He's like, you shouldn't have even made me defend him. Like, I, I shouldn't have had to do that. And it's, it's been really fun to watch him. But my, my all-time favorite player, and this is the one that happened before he got to Liverpool, and I, kind of similar to Logan, I'm a little sad because I don't think he's going to be on Liverpool much longer, uh, is Genie Wijnaldum. And it has nothing to do with Liverpool. Him going to Liverpool is a bonus. But when I played my first FIFA game, which I want to say must have been FIFA 13. It might have been FIFA 12 if I bought it. But he, I had him on the game, and he was like a young top prospect. The way the stats just rose him, he became like, he became insane. And then added to that, his name was almost impossible for me to say. I just loved his name. <laughs> it was Jorginho Wijnaldum. And I was like, I, this name is so cool. And he's like this Dutch guy who... Doesn't seem to be like a really big name, but I was like, this is my favorite player. And I actually kept track of him because he was on PSV and then he went to Newcastle and Newcastle got relegated and then Liverpool just popped in and went like, okay, we'll buy him. And he's not the most spectacular player. Actually, a lot of Liverpool fans or Liverpool Twitter, I I wouldn't say the fans because I think the fans really love him. But there's a good portion of Liverpool Twitter that aren't big fans of him because he doesn't do anything crazy good. But that's not his role. He's like supposed to just be the midfielder who plays defense and makes important. Um, like he basically brings the ball from defense to offense. Like he doesn't have to. He's not the one that's going to score spectacular goals or make incredible assists. Like he's the he's like the mid. He's basically the one the messenger for it all. And he's been my favorite player. And I'm a little sad because it doesn't seem like he's probably going to be on the team much longer. He has his contracts up next year. And with the whole Tiago rumors, it does seem like he's the one that could be the odd man out because it sounds like they won't sign Tiago unless they know somebody's going to leave. They kind of both play in the same spot that Klopp would want. So mm-hmm. if they bring in Tiago, I'm a little sad because I think that's going to be the end of, of Genie at Liverpool. But um, I'll support wherever he goes because he's something about him. I just love him. He's easily my favorite player for it. But yeah. And so apparently I have a thing for Dutch Dutch soccer players. When Adam's brother played for Philadelphia Union, I would say I knew he had a he had a brother. He um, barely played. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say his brother was barely played lower tier Dutch yeah. league in that FIFA, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. So I'd usually sign his brother too, just to have him on the team. <laughs> <laughs>
carries his bag. Make them happy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Make them happy. Brotherly love. That worked perfectly in Philly. You get, that's why they should, you know, both when Adam should have been here. The city of brotherly love. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to my favorite players. I'll start at number three as well, I guess. We're going to put Michael Ballack there. Uh, he's the one that got me into the sport just from the jersey. It just happened to be his jersey. Uh, and he became my favorite player. Uh, number two right now is Christian Pulisic. You know, I liked him before he even went to Chelsea. Big U.S. guy. He's gonna save. Uh, he's gonna save the USA, hopefully. But number one is the one that my first son will bear the name of Landon Donovan. Uh, and yes, he's also played in the Premier League. He was on loan at Everton for a year or two as well. USA hero. Pulisic will probably pass him at some point when you look at stats and even probably you know Landon Donovan has already said Pulisic is better than he was at his age but Donovan was clutch so many times when the USA needed a goal he would score it so those are my top three we do have lineups right now actually they just came out for the FA Cup game and Pulisic is starting ESPN had it listed as a 3-4-3 with uh, Caballero, Espelicueta, Kurt Zuma, and Rudiger with um, Alonso and James in the midfield with Georgino, Kovacic, with uh, Mount, Giroud, and Pulisic up top. And they also have the Arsenal 11, which is really no surprises there. I would say Mar- uh, Martinez, Holding, Luis, Tierney, Bellerin, Xhaka, Sabalos. Maitland, Niles, Pepe, Aubameyang, and Lacazette. Wow. Yeah. Well, we got both coaches are former players of the team that they're coaching. Uh, you have Giroud, who's a former Arsenal man on uh, Chelsea. You have David Luiz, who's a f- former Chelsea man on Arsenal. So it's going to be an interesting game. Like I said, we're going to be doing a fantasy league. Uh, if the EPL website is doing another league of fantasy draft. We're going to be doing that. What that is, if people don't know, it's kind of like fantasy football over here in the USA where you, or fantasy baseball where you actually draft the players. Nobody has the same team, unlike the other model where they give you the money to spend and you just somebody like Pulisic would be worth seven million. Somebody like Virgil van Dyke would be 10 million and you kind of like build your squad like that. So if you are interested in doing that, you can follow us on Twitter at Stoppage Show. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Uh, that's also the same handle on Instagram at Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Or you can email us at Stoppage Time Show at gmail.com. Before we get out of here, we're going to quickly just review uh, you know, who got relegated and who got the top four. So obviously the league winners, as we alluded to numerous times during this recording, was uh, Liverpool, and that they they finished uh, the season with uh, ninety nine points. Uh, Manchester City was in second place uh, with eighty one points. Manchester United finished third with sixty six, and Chelsea finished fourth with sixty six. Leicester City finished fifth at 62 on the bottom the teams relegated norwich with 21 points watford with 34 and bournemouth with 34 aston villa just climbed out of that bottom three in the last two match days to stay afloat with 35 points going on to 
Golden Boot, Jamie Vardy won the Golden Boot with 23 goals. He just edged past Aubameyang with 22 and Danny Ings with 22. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, we mentioned this earlier, uh, Logan did with City, had 20 assists. He was the leader of assists. <laughs> so many. <laughs> Runner-up was Trent Alexander-Arnold with 13. So it was a seven. And Trent even set, he set his own defensive record for assists in a season. Because he set it last year with 12. Passes. Who led in passes? Anybody have an idea? Is it a Liverpool player? It is, yeah. God. The enemy wants to think it. Is it a defender? Yes. Is it? Is it Van Dyke? It is, yeah. Virgil Van Dyke with 3,259 passes. They played uh, Rodrigo on Man <laughs> City was runner-up with 2,579. So uh, about a yeah. 700 <laughs> difference in well, passes. That's impressive because Rod, uh, he doesn't play... Rodri doesn't play the whole game, mm-hmm. but Van Dyke played every single minute. And number three, game. number three was Harry Maguire with two thousand five hundred nineteen. Clean sheets was Manchester City with Ederson sixteen. Nick Pope of Burnley surprises everybody with fifteen clean sheets. David de Gea with thirteen, and he I can a- tell you, Kepa's not even on this list for Chelsea. And the lowest one on this list in the top 10 is nine. So Kepa didn't even have nine clean sheets this season. I think Chelsea had the high, they had the highest goal against in the top 10, I believe. Yeah. Let's see. Clean sheets. Kepa finishes with eight. And he's number 13 on the list. That's why you guys are looking for a goalie. Yep. Uh, we're, yeah, we're being linked with Nick Pope because they don't think Oblock is going uh, is gonna to be coming over here. So we're looking at Nick Pope. He was really good. He had a... His game uh, after um, the pandemic break, um, his game against Liverpool was insane. Burnley drew 1-1. The only team not to lose at Anfield all year was Burnley, and it was him. Yeah, yeah, they drew, was, right? I was watching that game. It was him. Like Liverpool should have been up 4 or 5 nothing at halftime. <laughs> well, that's what they said. They said I, I was watching that fantasy recap, and guys like Pope and them were finishing – they finish way higher than the top tier goalies because the the top tier goalies you sometimes don't even see, that, you know, been, you know they don't have saves to even try. To yeah, get. exactly. Yeah, yeah, which Liverpool. is crazy because you hear about goalies that you've never heard of. You're like, what? <laughs> Liverpool, um, the game against Palace after the break. That was the first game. I don't know if it was. I don't believe it was ever, but it was the first game in an incredibly long time where the one team had no shots inside of hmm. like the the goalkeeper area. Crystal Palace just never got like Allison didn't even need to play like he he didn't touch the ball. Mm. Goals Manchester City with 102 goals. Close, Liverpool huh? was in second <laughs> with 85 passes. Manchester City two thousand uh, twenty six thousand three hundred twenty nine passes on the season, uh, which is three thousand more about than Liverpool. Which shows you why we're spending so much money on defenders. It's like. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Manchester City. Well, Manchester City led with clean sheets, as we just said, with 17. Yeah. That's one more than Ederson. So there was a game where backup goalie came in and had a clean sheet. And crosses, 914 crosses for Manchester City, which is just about 18 more than Liverpool. They Liverpool cross a lot. The only one in that whole thing that Liverpool is not runner-up on is uh, clean sheets, which was Burnley and Liverpool tied 
for clean sheets. So yeah, Liverpool went through like a stage at the start of the year where they won every single game two to one. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, and that was at the start because Allison missed, I believe it was eight games after the first game. He got injured against Norwich, and he missed a good seven eight games. And I don't think they held many clean sheets during that time. And then he also they lost a clean sheet because Allison got a red card because he punched the ball outside of the box. Jeez, <laughs> uh, I remember that. Yeah, and then the yeah, there were a lot of Liverpool fans were pissed because they felt the official didn't give Adrian enough time because he just like Adrian was still getting his gloves on and the official blew the whistle, and then they scored on the free kick. Mm. All right, so before we head out here, that was all of our review of stats, but let's get some predictions here. We're going to start off with today's game: who wins the FA Cup? If people People, you're going to be listening to this after the FA Cup already happened, so you'll be able to laugh at who's wrong here. Uh, this is recorded about 45 minutes before the game here. Chelsea or Arsenal, uh, Logan? I'm going Chelsea 2-1. Pull six score or no? Uh, yeah. yeah, he's playing really well. Let's do it. He's got too much momentum to go. I think he goes, to, yeah. I think he goes for one early. Matt, Chelsea or Arsenal? I'm going to say Chelsea... I actually think it'll be three, three to two. Oh, both are rough defenses. So I mean, it's and let me just give you a stat here. Chelsea has won seven of their last nine matches in uh, FA Cup finals, while Arsenal has won twelve of their last thirteen FA Cup matches against Chelsea. So they kind of have our number in this competition, for whatever reason. I just looking at. Offensively, Chelsea's better, and defensively, I think you'll make less mistakes, or at least less prone. Yeah, Louise is due for a mistake or Um, two today. (laughs) It's a good run, but in the end, Chelsea are better than Arsenal, so they really should be winning the game. Um, I feel a lot better about it, too, with Kepa not playing, to be honest. Caballero is is, is much better. It feels like Chelsea's coming together at the right time. Like it, it felt like over the last couple of games that Chelsea was finally starting to play yeah. well. I think Lampard. Like I, I don't know, man. He's just done some. He's done some things there. I think that, that that'll have lasting effects, especially now, without. Uh, you know, we had the transfer ban, so we couldn't sign any right. players, and you know right. we have. Uh, you know Chelsea's looked good with bringing in the youth, and Which hopefully like, they can challenge. Yeah, you can just you can either sell because you like to sell your younger players anyway. You can post it to City. We we need somebody up front. So. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with Chelsea as well. The Homer in me is gonna say that Chelsea's gonna win. Pulisic is gonna score a hat trick, and it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be great. But <laughs> I know that's not gonna actually happen. But. Uh, I mean, this would be pretty big for a, a U.S. player to be playing in a FA Cup final starting, and if he scores or assists a goal to help win the game, that's that's exactly what we want our youth USA players doing to help elevate their game even further. Okay, Matt, this one's a little close to your heart here due to FIFA 20. Uh, we have Brentford... <laughs> We have Brentford City versus uh, Fulham in the promotion playoff on Tuesday the 4th. Who who do you got, Matt? I have Brentford. Um, I I think that game will also be decently scoring. I I think it will actually end 3-1. Brentford, uh, Brentford statistically, they should win pretty handedly. 
Uh, they're one of the highest scoring championship teams. And I believe they had the best defense as well. And in all honesty, I would rather them win it just because they're new. Um, yeah. And they haven't yeah. been up there uh, at, Fulham, since, the, since the 30s or 40s. Right. Yeah. Fulham, similar to why I kind of wanted West Brom not to make it. Like, I've seen them in the Premier League. They gotten relegated, it's promoted. It's kind of nice to see uh, teams kind of come out of the blue and end up making it. And plus, I was. Easily more impressed with Brentford in the second leg than either Fulham or Cardiff were. Uh, they both teams. Mm-hmm. I just I know the three players that Brentford have up at top because of FIFA, and I don't think there's a team besides Leeds that were in the championship that could really match them. And if Fulham are not going to defend well, then it's going to be a, I think a pretty long day. And I I just think there's something with Brentford that they haven't made it yet. And they also have a new stadium next year. It just seems too perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems too perfect. You know, Fulham have been up there, and I know that they have good history, but it would just be nice to have that new, the new team and, you know, Leeds coming back up after a while is also kind of fun because I've never seen them in the Premier League. Yeah. So getting a couple of new teams yeah. in there would just be a lot more fun than kind of a team I've seen up and down. Yeah, and I would say Brentford's manage, manager has been really good. I mean, they they've been playing very good uh, soccer, and and both I mean both of the playoff games uh, this week were were very entertaining. Fulham and Cardiff, you know, started off started off good with Cardiff, kind of pulling one back early, but you know, and then it kind of just fell apart there. But but Brentford immediately getting in control of that game in the second leg was very exciting for a team that was down one nothing and they had a red card that was rescinded uh the 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 suspension didn't hold because they overturned it uh logan do you have brentford or or fulham here i think brentford no no, i was watching i watched that game more closely yesterday or the other day that you know i think fulham they didn't look nearly as good as brentford looks right now um i i thought that you know being that far ahead of cardiff and then you know dick made it a game but I think Brentford's the strongest side. And I think a lot of people were writing about that on Twitter, how much they think that Brentford's the stronger side in the in the game. And I think it like my I think it ends three one, like Matt said. Um and plus it's just a good story. It'll be a good story to bring back two teams that have, you know, not been in the Premier League for a while. And and can you imagine opening that stadium up and, you know, maybe January, hopefully, or February and they'll have fans. Um it'll be exciting for them after a really rough year. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that'll just be really exciting too, because man, that that new stadium Brentford's building is, is really beautiful. Like seeing the concept art for it and stuff, and that'd just be a really exciting time. And like Matt said, I don't really want to see Fulham up there again. They they're so boring. <laughs> it's yeah, like they what? were just up a few years ago. So bad <laughs> when they get up there, it's like yeah, this is horrible to watch. And then they get sent back and they come back again. And I plus, think they actually got relegated last year. Yeah, I think it was. They spent a lot of money. I yeah. think they got promoted and then relegated immediately. So then coming back up, just I don't know. Right. I just give us some new blood. Yeah. Uh, Leeds. I, I'm really excited to see Leeds play up because they got you know they got a big club that I think I don't know. I think they could hang around for a bit. They got money. They're, they're, they their owner money. has money and he wants to get them to the Premier League, and he did after about two or three years, and and now they got a they got a world class coach. Uh, so I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I also have Brentford going through against Fulham. Uh, sorry, Tim Ream, American center back. <laughs> I don't think Fulham is 
it's going to be able to handle Brentford as well. So yeah, I think we all have we all picked the same stuff, which means we're going to be wrong, right? <laughs> and we'll be able to, we'll be able to cover that uh, at a, at another time. We're going to be doing an EPL preview sometime in August, and you know, picking our top four, picking our relegated teams, and picking Golden Boot winners. You know, we I, we might review the the Champions League final before we get to, or preview the Champions League final before we get to that as well. But just be on the lookout for that. Yeah, I think that's everything we got. Go Chelsea, Go Chelsea. today in the FA Cup final, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and go Brentford. Ooh, heck yeah! Everybody, thanks for listening, and that wraps up Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Kane has stolen it at the death. That's what he's there for. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.